telling where you'll end up. Can you make it through? To the night's end. Still don't know, do you? <laughs> Abigail, what don't we know? The truth of the purification of Ravendell, the great burning, the cleansing of New Gomorrah. Abigail, we don't know what you are talking about. Let me show you. The Great One has showed me the path to salvation through her power and a vision of a future raven down. We are to be purified. Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Stay steadfast in this. Dispel fear. She will know if there is fear. Prepare for eternal release. Be thankful, O oh beautiful disciples. You will be purified by the cleansing spirit of our Lord. Alexander, I can't believe it. We've just sent others. And Sebastian. Cycles of purification keep the Dark One strong. Leave now and don't come back. There is evil here beyond comprehension. Well noted, Abigail. Get out now. We have to get back there. The pull to this door is strong. It's like a... Project Lazarus Written by Tommy Ellis Narrated by Drew Sebastini Charlie Morgan had never planned a murder before. 
Come to that, he'd never planned suicide by barman, either. He stepped from the bright Floridian humidity into overdriven aircon gloom. The motel's carpet sucked at his shoes, but he neither noticed nor cared. She was all he noticed. She was all he cared about. And she was perched on the corner of the bed, clad in a sarong and bikini top. Hello, lover. Jade stood and flowed across the room. She'd promised him everything he'd ever wanted, and a few things he hadn't even thought of, but he had to keep his emotions and libido in check. Jade, I've got something to tell you. Well, show you, actually. He laid his battered leather suitcase on the bed and flipped the catches. Ooh, what's in there? She wrapped herself around him and nibbled his ear. I hope it's sex toys. No, he stuttered. Something better. A million dollars, uncut cocaine. He lifted out the 1960s Super 8 Cine camera and projector. What the fuck? Jade stared at the analog hardware. What are we going to do with... A pause. She smiled. Oh, right. I get it. We're making old school dirty movies. Not quite. Although the thought had surfaced a couple of times, that wasn't the reason for the ancient gear. He busied himself with the projector, aiming it at the water-stained wall, and as the machine clattered to life... It lit up Jade's bemused expression. Well, if I ain't tying you to the bed, shoving a glass dildo up your arse and filming it, why the fuck did you bring the piece of crap? Charlie sincerely hoped she was joking about the glass dildo. If that got out, his job in child services would be toast. I've discovered something amazing. He knew amazing was an overused word. He also knew his discovery was way beyond any description he could think up. This can get rid of your ex-husband. For good, he grinned at the thought. No more scuzzy motel rooms. No more Dwayne and no comeback. What have you discovered? A missing James Dean movie that could make us rich? Irritation had filled her honeyed tones with nails. To stop the irritation changing up to anger, he blurted, Life after death! It stopped the gear shift, all right. Her mouth opened, closed, opened again. With nothing to say, she sat down hard on the bed, sending dust motes dancing in the projector's beam. This is 8mm cinefilm. He fed the leader through the machine. Jade looked up at him and shrugged as if to say, So what? Everything's digital nowadays. It's so soulless. I've always loved analog. Vinyl records, cars you can work on without needing a computer degree, real movie film. 
Jade shrugged again and this time actually said, So what? I found a whole box of unused official U.S. government film in a junk shop for only five bucks. It had Project Lazarus stenciled on the side. I googled it. Turns out it was some abandoned Cold War experiment. A bit like Project Ultra. What's that? Oh, it was all to do with mind reading and stuff like that. So you found a film about mind reading? No, it's... He paused. I, th- I think it's best if I just show you. Firing up the projector, he pointed to the image on the wall. See the fly on the screen with the white dot painted on its back? Shaky footage showed a housefly, which Charlie paused. Uh-huh. I swatted it immediately after filming it. Okay, she nodded. I still don't get it. The fly's dead, but watch this. Charlie set the machine in motion again. Jerky action followed the buzzing insect. It zipped left and right before heading straight towards them. There was a faint pop, and Charlie switched off the projector. Sounds like the damn flies in the room with us now. Charlie turned the light on. It is. He pointed to the bare bulb dangling from a nicotine yellow cable. You don't get too many white painted flies, do you? It had landed on the flex and was walking towards the ceiling. Whoa, Jade looked up. Neat trick. How's it done? I don't know how it works. I just know it does. Which brings me to Dwayne. What's a resurrected fly got to do with my husband? Everything. He'd done the experiment over and over, and each time it gave the same results. He just hoped it worked when he scaled it up. You're gonna film me before I walk into Flanagan's pub, shoot Dwayne before old Flanagan blasts me with that shotgun he keeps under the bar. Then you can play the film, bringing me back to life. I'll be legally dead, and not by suicide, and I've got a million-dollar life insurance policy. You're mad. Jade's words may have said no, but her face said, I'm seriously thinking about this. It really works, though, doesn't it? She moved a step closer to the fly. I mean, that creature was only on screen. It wasn't like living or anything, but now it is. Charlie nodded. That's like seriously Twilight Zone. Charlie nodded again. Jade said nothing, and time stretched as she stared at the insect. So, she said at last, he'll really come back to life? I will, yeah. Charlie's excitement levels ramped up. In the 60s, Project Lazarus had had limited success, according to his research. Test subjects, including flies, either came back deformed came back before dying almost immediately, or never came back at all. 
hence the abandonment of the whole program in January 1965. This batch of film, however, was dated February 1965, and it looked as though they'd perfected the process without testing it. So, I'll shoot some footage of you, right? Jade picked up the camera and turned it over. I, uh, think I'll have to take it home and practice with it first. All you have to do is point and shoot. It's easy. That's fine for you to say. Jade held the machine up and peered into the lens. I've never even seen one of these things before. It ain't like a smartphone. What if I fuck up? Once you're dead, he'll never come back. She had a point. His life, well, his afterlife, depended on Jade understanding how to use the equipment properly. Sure, as you said, it's not a smartphone. Time had been weighed down with enough lead to re-roof a cathedral. Charlie had called Jade over and over. I need more practice, was what she'd repeatedly said. More practice? It was a clockwork cine camera, not a moonlander. He'd been on the verge of backing out when the call came in. Yes, she'd sussed the hardware out. Yes, she was ready to film him. And yes, she wanted him dead. She actually wanted to see Dwayne murdered. So, this was it, then. Standing outside Flanagan's pub in the midday furnace, Charlie wiped the sweat from his eyes, his breath not quite filling his lungs, making him lightheaded. He knew the second he'd step inside, he'd have to be quick. Pull the snub-nosed revolver from under his oversized tee and put a bullet into Duane, who always sat at the far end of the bar on the left. He'd murder him, wave the gun around, and old man Flanagan would give it large with the shotgun, doing away with the lengthy legal proceedings and long wait on death row. After being shot and killed, Jade would see it on the news and he'd be played back to life. He shifted from foot to foot. He needed to piss, even though he'd only just been. Planning a murder-suicide was one thing. Going through with it was something he hadn't envisioned. Not fully, at any rate. He was about to take someone's life. Up until this moment, he hadn't appreciated the finality of it. He'd die, sure, but in a few hours he'd be stepping through the celluloid into the arms of his beloved, and he'd be a million dollars richer. Dwayne, on the other hand, would be taking a last road trip, this time covered up with flowers in the back of a limo. If he didn't do it soon, someone, more than likely Dwayne, or worse, a cop, would notice him doing the trying-not-to-piss-himself shuffle out on the sidewalk. He had to go through with it now. He'd promised Jade. What kind of a man would she think he was if he yellowed out now? No, he had to just get it done. Taking a deep breath as if preparing for a deep ocean dive, 
he walked as casually as he could, considering he was about to die, into the odor of stale beer and click of pool balls. It took a few seconds for his eyes to adjust to the permanent twilight, quicker still for the low murmur of the surprisingly full room to drop to a near silence. If this were a western, all the patrons would hustle on out, apart from Duane. It wasn't, though, and the meaningless chatter soon resumed. Help you, mister! It was rumored Flanagan had worked for the British government during the Troubles, and was a proper old-school hard bastard. Nobody fucked with him, which was perfect. If Charlie timed it wrong, though... Flanagan would kill him before he got a shot off. Whiskey, large one. That would distract Flanagan long enough for Charlie to kill Duane. The end game was upon him. All he had to do was keep his hand from shaking. He reached for the revolver. Flanagan was quicker. In one well-practiced move, the bottle went down on the bar, and the purdy came out from under it. Get out of my fucking bar, you arsehole! Charlie gripped the pistol tighter in his sweat-slicked hand. Drop it and leave! Charlie didn't move. Now! No time to think. Just do. Charlie squeezed the trigger. The blast... The recoil, the smell of cordite, copper, the red mist speckling the Bud Light sign, the explosion to his left, two barrels spitting fire, the exquisite agony, nothing. Death wasn't the fairy tale of going into the light, smiling ancestors, and a staircase through the clouds. Death was nothingness. Nothingness before life, and nothingness after. The chink of brightness pulled him rudely into somethingness. He'd shot Duane before being shot himself, and that was his last memory. That and the unbearable pain of both barrels at close range. Now he could see, feel, hear, smell. He was alive again. It had worked. It had actually bloody worked. He'd cheated the bloke with the scythe. He tried to step forward, but couldn't. He was frozen in place frozen like a frame of movie film. He stared unblinkingly out into a darkened room with a single beam of white light cutting through it. A shadow figure sat behind the flickering projector. That's when he figured it out. He was still locked inside the celluloid, and Jade had taken the film out of its case, ready to thread into the spool. She'd kept her word. The leader on the screen counted down, and Dwayne's face appeared. He mugged for the camera. Are you sure this'll work? Of course I'm sure, honey. Jade's voice came from the speaker. 
She'd filmed that thick as pig shit thug. But why? Three million insurance payout won't do me any good if I'm fucking dead. He stepped towards the screen. There was a familiar pop. Dwayne turned on the light and turned off the projector. This is far better than the glass dildo up the arse scam. We never have to do it again, though. Three million. Cool. He kissed Jade long and slow before she pulled away. Four million, honey. You're forgetting Charlie's insurance. She waved Charlie's film around, increasing the nausea he was already feeling. Do you want to do the honors, or shall I? Give it here. The bastard actually shot me, so I think I deserve a bit of revenge. Charlie tried to move, to yell, to do anything as he and the film were thrown into a metal waste paper bin. The splash of a familiar smelling liquid stopped all rational thought. Lighter fluid. A flare of a match. Charlie ripped out a silent scream. Dwayne tossed the match towards the bin. It spun as if in slow motion. It was going to die. To burn. Useless struggles. No escape. Flashpoint. White hot agony. Charlie's scream was finally released. You've been listening to the Night's End Podcast, which is a production of Dissonance Media. Project Lazarus was written by Tommy Ellis. Tommy has previously been published in Writers Forum, Aura Holla Ezine, The Ank Quarterly, and is the author of Season 1, Episode 23, Fast Forward, on the Night's End Podcast, as well as Photo Finish, a Night's End exclusive episode. He also has a middle-grade portal fantasy out as ebook and paperback, entitled The Puddle People, available on Amazon. Link is in the description. This episode was narrated by Drew Sebastini. Drew works best by the light of the moon, spinning dark and delirious tales of horror each and every week as the host of Tales to Terrify podcast, one of the longest-running horror fiction podcasts. During those loathsome daylight hours, though, he applies his creative forces as a writer, designer, and creative director for his little ad agency, Balloonfish. He lives in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada, with his partner, son, and a slowly dwindling menagerie of aged bird kids. Listen to more of his work at TalesToTerrify.com or get in touch via social media at Dr. Nebulon on Instagram and Twitter. Abigail was performed by Erica Ventura. Erica is a mother, narrator, visual artist, and animal husbandry technician. You can check out some of her artwork on Instagram at E-F-V-E-N-T-U or you can visit her artist page at facebook.com forward slash bioartsy. Alexander was performed by Phoenix Fire. For more narrations by Phoenix Fire, head over to youtube.com forward slash Phoenix Fire narrations. Jimmy Horrors was performed by James Barnett. 
This episode was edited and produced by James Barnett. If you enjoyed this episode, please support us by leaving a review and a five-star rating. And as always, stay horrific, everyone. <laughs>